Amos chapter 6. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria, the notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. Pass to Calne and see, and from there go to Hamath the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? O you who put far away the day of disaster and bring near the seat of violence. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and like David invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first of those who go into exile, and the revelry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. The Lord, Yahweh, God, has sworn by himself, declares the Lord, the God of hosts. I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his strongholds, and I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. And if 10 remain in one house, they shall die. And when one's relative, the one who anoints him for burial, shall take him up to bring the bones out of the house and shall say to him who is in the innermost parts of the house, is there still anyone with you? He shall say, no. And he shall say, silence. We must not mention the name of Yahweh. For behold, the Lord commands and the great house shall be struck down into fragments and the little house into bits. Do horses run on rocks? Does one plow there with oxen? But you've turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You who rejoice in Lodabar, who say, have we not by our own strength captured Karnaim for ourselves? For behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel, declares the Lord, the God of hosts, and they shall oppress you from Leba Hamath to the brook of the Arabah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, here we are once again in the book of Amos, joined yeah. today by the great Jackson Randall. Hey. You know, Amos uh, and a lot of the biblical prophets, they get into this idea of the remnant, like a mm-hmm. small amount of God's people um, who are faithful uh, amidst a sinful generation. And Jackson and I, being uh, two of the few Alabama fans <laughs> in the state of Georgia, can really relate uniquely to uh, biblical prophecy. You know, I feel like I get Amos better for being uh, yeah, an Alabama yeah. fan. So whoever's listening, you... You're really blessed to have our perspective on this. Um, So another dreary day in the book of Amos. And man, once again, this stirring indictment from the Lord to the rich uh, in Israel, who, as we found, um, they have built this system of prosperity and comfort on the backs of oppressing poor people. Mm. So it's it's a place that is rampant with injustice, with brokenness, with sadness, and also with the idle songs, with the wine and debauchery of the rich in Israel. And so that is, you know, the the people being addressed today. And a lot of this imagery is uh, really interesting. I'm looking kind of side by side with this commentary in Lagos. And uh, 
one of the images, for example, that I kind of jumped over that is packed with meaning verse six, you who drink wine and bowls. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess when I read that, I just would have thought, oh yeah, I guess they drink wine out of bowls back then. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like this dual sided image that Amos is using. First of all, they're not drinking wine out of cups and goblets, but a big, like this Hebrew word for bowls is like kind of referencing a large bowl that was used for like sacrificial offerings. So yeah. not only is it like you're drinking, you know, you live in debauchery and drunkenness, but there's also like this sacrilegious undertone yeah. with the word choice. And so we won't go into all these, but yeah. you know, he's packing all these images full with just like really fascinating, you know, meaning and implication. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Jackson, what are your thoughts on this, these woes and this warning uh, of ruin that yeah. and death that God is giving? It's a, I mean, it is like a lot of, the prophets and and like a lot of passages in Amos, I mean, it's a it's a tough word we have here. You know, it's funny you mentioned verse six. Uh, as I read that, my mind went to the idea of like eating cereal out of a mixer bowl or something yeah, like yeah, that. You know, yeah. it's just something that's completely over the top. Yeah. But then for there to be religious significance in there, I mean, that in a lot of ways sums up exactly what I think we see in the book of Amos and why there is this. Um, why there is this like indictment against uh, Israel. Um, and, and I think verse 12 is another one of those verses that that kind of summarizes a little bit of what has been going on here that mm-hmm. just makes this so terribly sad. But you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. Mm. But, but there's this idea that you know, what the people of God are, is supposed to be about. They're supposed to image God in this world, right? And and to display his beauty and his creativity and his worth and yes, his justice and his righteousness. Um, they're to embody his justice and embody his righteousness. And, and instead of being champions of these things, um, standing up for the weak, standing up for the oppressed, um, caring for those people who can't care for themselves, in displaying something of God, they've turned justice into something that is uh, sickly and mm. and uh, righteousness into something that is bitter. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder then where we're, we're getting to finally at the end of chapter six, which is sort of an end of a section here in the book of Amos, and then um, flowing into the next couple chapters is is now judgment. Mm-hmm. It, your time is up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there was a a time for repentance. There was a time for you to turn from your wicked ways, but it's it's as if now Amos is coming and saying, "Look, you you've played around with with Almighty God enough. Mm-hmm. You've played around with His people enough, and now um, you, you just need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Like woe up upon you." And um. I mean that it's a heavy word, you know, and yeah. and 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 we'll see just how heavy some of this stuff is in the in the coming the coming sections of of the scriptures. But um, you know, as I'm thinking about this, and through the through the lens of a 21st century reader, I think two thoughts. One, um, I, I think we need to be mindful as we read uh, Israel's history to not see Israel as somehow. Uh, way worse and and 
categorically different than we are. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and, and so Israel's history is, is in, in some ways our history. It shows us what mankind is like and it shows us um, uh, exactly where we would be mm-hmm. if not for the intervening grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think we can see something of ourselves in this passage and exactly where our sin would take us. These woes would certainly be described of us, if not for, and this is the second thing, this passage makes me really, really, really grateful for the New Testament and for mm-hmm. grace. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think about um, the sort of uh, way that I can work against justice and the fruit of righteousness or the way that we can lazily and lavishly live our lives without concern for the poor or without concern for the people that God so deeply cares about. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I think we, we try to do the right thing. We try to care about the right thing, but we certainly don't nail it to the degree that uh, I think truly honors the Lord. And, and we could very easily have these woes be directed at us, if not for the marvelous grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we, we see that because uh, these woes were in a sense directed at Jesus, they will never be directed at us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that makes me really grateful as I read these words. Yeah. You know, I, I do think we speaking into our church context, particularly, um, we are more fluent and we're also a little more like metropolitan. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a, a funeral not long ago and it was for this family who uh the father who'd passed away had kind of started this like big lighting fixture company Mm. and um you know this and basically it started way back in the day as like this tiny little thing and it was a real salt of the earth story of like you know he was just like a eagle scout (laughs) outdoorsman kind of dude and it, it grew into this big big company but, you know, he was like known to be kind of like the gruff CEO who would like walk through the warehouse picking up trash and uh, just that very like work with your hands kind of thing. And it struck me while I was there, and this is no critique of anybody or anything, but the world that we live in at Christ's Covenant, uh, while we certainly have some amazing like blue collar entrepreneurial people, mm-hmm. we have a lot more of this, uh, I guess, like we're more insulated Mm -hmm. from that sort of world. You know, a lot of us work more uh, detached from that. And we live in a city where just relishing and comfort is very elevated, you know, and that's not true of like all cultures, but it's certainly true of ours. And so I think we should take like a, a special warning um, from, you know, where this starts is that, I mean, and I'm speaking just, myself is that like I love comfort a bed of ivory sounds awesome you know and I love hanging out stretched out on the couch yeah absolutely and so in verse 12 he uses this really interesting image that ties back to uh you know these woes at the beginning of the passage Uh, he says do horses run on rocks does one plow there with oxen Mm -hmm. and you know kind of like contextualizing that for us it's like do do you like drive your Porsche through a mud pit? Like do do you like take a axe to concrete? Like no, like it's it's stupid and dangerous. You know is is the point of these? Like if you run on a ton of loose rocks with a horse, like 
the horse is going to break its leg. Mm -hmm. You know, if you try to plow rocks with oxen, like you and the plow and the ox are not going to have a good time. Yeah. And uh, basically what it's saying here is the way you've turned justice to poison, the way you've neglected justice and righteousness is equally stupid. Mm -hmm. It's equally dangerous. And so this, this system that you've made where you've, encapsulated and redefined God's favor as just like comfort and luxury. Right. It is going to ruin you. Yes. Just like you're a horse running on, you know, big loose rocks. Like it's it's going to harm you. Yes. And your brief moment of glory is going to be over in a really sad and avoidable way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it kind of ties back to, you know, yesterday's passage, um, is the famous Amos 5, 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. And I think that this idea, you know, God's justice, his peace, a lot of these things are often characterized uh, as rivers Mm -hmm. or streams. Um, And something that's really striking about that is that, you know, a lake or a pond or even an ocean is kind of like this defined, contained place where like water is and it is there to stay in a sense and yet with a river it's this constant flowing through and flowing outward yeah and the river fills up lakes and ponds the river fills up the sea and so there's this idea that god's justice and righteousness is supposed to flow through his people um and not just be this like stagnant still place where it becomes corrupted and stagnated and and infected and that's what's happening with the people of israel yeah yeah i i love that i mean yeah you know as i think back on some of the the different movements that have happened within the church you know the church has often been the source of of actual care and Mm -hmm. um and has been the one who has worked to affect change in society in the in the most significant ways. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I have friends who worked in um, in Congo, the Congo, for uh, a long time and started hospitals there. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that that's this like distinctively Christian practice. It's that dates back, to, you know, however long, where Christians have said, you know what, like there's a a, a gap here where healthcare is not being provided to a needy people. Mm-hmm. let's work to establish a healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And so hospitals have been popping up all over the world now because Christians have taken initiative. Mm-hmm. Or think about slave trade being dealt with because, you know, there's wealthy businessmen who are thinking, you know what, like this isn't right. And I'm being convicted based on my, uh, on my understanding of scripture. Therefore, I'm going to do something through about that through the, like, the means that are available to me. Like this is what Christians have done throughout the course of history, and and um, mm-hmm. and, and so that that seems like a an apt picture uh, where the justice is flowing through us out to the world, um, such that we can uh, bring something of God's grace to bear on this world. Maybe mm-hmm. not in a way where people are trusting Christ necessarily as a result, but we're meeting practical needs which the Lord loves and. Um, who knows what could come from those, um, uh, what can come from that, what sort of opportunities might arise for people to hear the gospel and mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's a beautiful uh, image. And, um, but, you know, going back to the passage, I, I do think that one of the things that we see 
in addition to kind of a, a lack of justice or a withholding of justice and righteousness is a type of spiritual pride that categorizes um, Israel and them thinking like we've accomplished a lot and mm-hmm. you know and we've we've done all these things based upon our the the sweat of our brow uh, kind of thing and you know I do think there's a special warning in in this passage for us at Christ's covenant you know we've got a lot of really talented folks in our church a lot of gifted folks a lot of people who um you know they 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 utilize what the lord's been what the lord's entrusted to them mm-hmm. in really wonderful ways and that has resulted in uh some really cool things happening mm-hmm. in and through our church mm-hmm. but uh, we would be foolish to think that because God has used us with some of our unique giftings and skill sets mm-hmm. or some of our resources to think that we therefore have built this church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God did something wonderful in Israel. Um, it, it wasn't that Israel was so great that they chose themselves out of obscurity. You no, know, God chose Israel and mm-hmm. God blessed Israel and God mm-hmm. provided leaders for Israel and God. Uh, uh, claimed land for Israel. Mm-hmm. And in a similar manner, God has done something really sweet in the brief life cycle of Christ's covenant. Mm-hmm. And he's seen fit to give us a cool building. He's seen fit to provide us uh, a really wonderful staff, um, officers in our church, uh, mm-hmm. a membership comprised of really wonderful people, children's ministry, things like that. Um, this isn't because like we're great. And, and I think we we want to be really careful of of being the sort of spiritually proud people who think that this church exists because we're awesome. Yeah. Now we, we have an awesome God, and for whatever reason, He's been pleased to to utilize us. Yeah. And so, um, it's that's a privilege. Yeah. And and it's a humbling privilege that we now get to operate out of to to try to steward what the Lord's entrusted to our care. Absolutely. To the praise of His glory, and hopefully, for the good of our city. Absolutely. And it can't stop here, but um, Atlanta needs to look different because of it. So a great word from Amos 6 to to let God's justice and righteousness flow through us and to not uh, relish in lesser things. So for the great Bammer, Jackson Randall, this is the lesser Bammer, Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.